ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. When you're in the bedroom and someone says something thoughtless or anything around fatness and my body, it like really can be destructive to what I'm trying to build and believe. For me, it was very much about the idea that no one would want to have sex with you. That was Mm. the kind of the way that people would speak to me or about me, especially during high school. One person said when they were going down on me that they felt like they were drowning because of my thighs were fat and they felt claustrophobic or something and so that I think is stuck in my head for a very long time. I worked in a bar like a pub and this person that I sort of vaguely knew said to me, Oi, are you a lesbian? And I was like, that's a very weird question as I'm wandering by picking up glasses. Are you a lesbian? And I went, uh, and he said, because you'd have to be because no man would ever want to sleep with you. Stripping off naked and bearing all in front of another human is full of risk. Even the most ridiculously babe and woman can struggle to see herself as sexy, struggle not to dwell on her perceived physical flaws and feel very anxious about what the other person is seeing, feeling, tasting and smelling. Now imagine that same raw and exposed feeling, but you have already spent your life being told you are unacceptable, unfuckable, and that you don't fit what the world says a woman should be. Moving through the world in a fat body is not easy. For the audacity of simply existing as a woman in a bigger body and taking up space, fat women encounter revulsion, discrimination, hatred and outright abuse. So if the day-to-day is so confronting and aggressive towards fat women, how does that translate to a sensitive, vulnerable, one-on-one act like sex? I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about sex in a fat body. Yes, hello, testing, testing, I'm talking into this. And I am also just checking my microphone, making sure that it works. (laughs) Tell me to stop. In fact, I... You're right. (laughs) I'm joined today in the Ladies We Need to Talk studio by two funny, sometimes confident and always wonderful women. I'm April, my pronouns are she, her, and on the internet I call myself the Bodzilla. I'm an advocate, I'm an activist and just a loudmouth, really. April Helene Horton is all about not shrinking herself to appease other people's discomfort with fat. The tagline of her bright, colourful Bodzilla Instagram account is body acceptance and fat positivity. My name is Rebecca, pronoun she, her. I'm a Scorpio and I'm a writer, comedy writer, and I'm Brockle Snitch on the internet. Lesbians and fucking star signs. What is going on? Just thought I'd throw it in there. Yeah. <laughs> I did Love mention it. I was a Pisces before. I think that's I why I did. I yeah. was oh, just... right, okay. No, but I was just like, what a vibe. <laughs> you might remember Beck Shaw, a.k.a. Brockle Snitch, from our episode back in Season 1 of Ladies We Need to Talk called Fat Talk. Go back and have a listen if you haven't already. April and Beck are both objectively fat. I've asked them both here to share some pretty private stuff about how being fat affects the way they think about, approach and do sex. 
And if me calling April and Beck fat makes you squirm, it's a term they both prefer us to use to describe their bodies. I personally wish more people would say it in a neutral way. People afraid to say the word fat to me and instead using all these like euphemisms and like she's bloody diverse. And I'm like, does that mean she has no head or like what <laughs> is happening? <laughs> fat to me only has power as an insult when, because a lot of people use it as an insult. But if more people just use it as a descriptor and a neutral, like tall, fat, you know, it's it has no power to me as an insult if you're not using it as an insult. Sure, yeah. And are you, are you the same, April? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's the same comparison I normally would draw. Just to describe myself, I would say I have, at the moment, I have ginger hair, I'm wearing a brown top, I'm fat mm. and I'm very, very cute. <laughs> <laughs> all facts true, about all me, true. right? What are some of the euphemisms people use for fat? Uh, it's just like <laughs> chubby or like curvaceous or... But even words like fluffy, I have absolutely fluffy? heard... Yeah, like people are cringe, peak cringe, being referred to as, I'm more of a fluffy kind of a girl. No, that is definitely... Euphemistic phrases about fatness are so... They're just peak cringe, if you ask me. Yeah. And some of it, I think, is just people not wanting to say the wrong thing. But by doing so, I'm like, just please say what you mean. <laughs> Let's talk about sex in a fat body. April, what were your first sexual experiences like? For me, it was very much about the idea that no one would want to have sex with you. That was mm. the kind of the way that people would speak to me or about me, especially during high school. And so having sex for the first time at 18 was with someone I didn't know. Um, it was in a scenario where I wasn't really comfortable. It definitely wasn't, you know, something to write home about, as they say. <laughs> and I think no one's making a film or a streaming series about me losing my, finger quotes, virginity. Um, you know, I think that that for me was something that then once I'd done it, it was over and done with and also I'd sort of proved to myself that I was like well yes at least one person definitely would have sex with me because <laughs> it's such an insult isn't it no one will ever have sex with you yeah it's like, and oh. something that people would actually say with their eyes open and looking right at me and be like no one will ever want to blah mm. blah blah and I'm just like well okay so a little moment of like huh proved you wrong <laughs> cop that Jeffrey but like at the same time it wasn't a good experience at all so yeah. um definitely not something that I look back on and go oh so romantic or even like so pleasant or comfortable or nice mm. ew what about you Beck? like what was it like for you the first time Obviously, I'm a big lesbian um, and always have been. But I was closeted from like 11 till 22 or something. So all my high school I was closeted. But being fat, there's not many advantages, but no one questioned why I didn't have a boyfriend or like why I wasn't going on dates because I was fat. So it actually did in a weird way help me remain closeted, which is also sad, but <laughs> at is. the time it was good. So you're deep in the closet through high school mm -hmm. and then... What happens after that? Your first sexual experience is in, inside of a fat body. I ended up uh, getting into a relationship with like the first lesbian I met. I was still closeted when we met um, and we were together for 10 years. It took me a long time to like take my shirt off with her because I was so like once she sees the real me, then she won't be attracted to me and it'll be over. And it still takes a little while for me with each person to like be comfortable to take my clothes off basically like because it's not just people who say people do say this stuff to you but it's also all of society all of the time saying you're not attractive to people 
It just really makes you feel like no one will ever want to touch you. And you have to work against that, like, forever, I think. Because it hasn't stopped. Society's not stopped saying that. No, that's true. (laughs) When we talk about society saying you're not attractive, that feels really big and hard to get your head around. Beck, do you have any examples of that to help us understand? In the last couple of years, I've had, I was standing near a McDonald's at Marrickville Metro. I wasn't, I was just waiting for someone and a woman walked past and said, no wonder you're fat eating that shit. Like a random woman in Marrickville Metro. I had a guy flick a cigarette at me on the street, call me a fat bitch. Like things like that happen all the time, let alone media and all of that. So when you're in the bedroom and someone says something thoughtless or anything around fatness and my body, it like really can be destructive to what I'm trying to build and believe. Thank you for sharing that vulnerability. I know it's it's really hard. The the idea of that sort of crippling self-consciousness that you have, mm. I think a lot of people do have in the, in their first sexual experiences because it's all new and, yeah. and awkward anyway. But did you do you think you felt it more keenly? Yeah, I think so for sure. I was like, because we also met online and so there was we didn't meet in real life for a little while. And I was so scared about meeting her because I was like, once she sees actually how fat I am, she won't be attracted and then it won't move on. It'll be humiliating. It's not even just about the sex. It's like getting someone to want to have sex with you in the first place is what I felt like wouldn't happen. I was like, somehow I've tricked this one person into it and it will never happen again. Like that's how how much it affects your confidence. I've really had to work and I still to this day like have issues accepting that people would be into me because you're told that they just won't be because you're fat. You did experience some fat phobia in one of your relationships. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I feel like they were never really fully in that moment with me and into my body and it sort of came out over a extended period there was just a couple of moments where we're having sex where like they said a couple of things that just made me very self-conscious about my fatness about my body and when you're having sex like you're so vulnerable and it's the most vulnerable you can be it's just every moment reinforces what society is already telling you because I'm fighting so hard to believe that I'm hot and believe that these people are attracted to me one person said that when they were going down on me that they felt like they were drowning because of my thighs were fat and they felt claustrophobic or something. And so that, I think, is stuck in my head for a very long time. That same self-consciousness followed April and Beck after their first early sexual encounters, as did the criticisms that reinforced it. April says she wasn't having sexual relationships for most of her 20s. Then I got into a relationship with someone who really pushed home that messaging around, like, I'm the only one and blah, blah, blah. When April says, I'm the only one, she means he was saying, I'm the only one who will condescend to love you. It made me very much feel like if I was smaller, I would be more attractive to them. In 2015, that guy became April's fiancé. A few months later, April underwent gastric banding surgery. Because that was what everybody was doing at the time and also... A lot of people in my life were doing that, family and um, other people in my life. And so I had this weight loss surgery and felt like that was, okay. I've solved it because I'm all the things, right? People were talking, oh, my God, you're so funny. Oh, my God, you'd be so pretty. Like, you've got such a nice face, which we all know what the subtext of that is. But her ex was still piling on the pressure and being, well, a bit of a dick about her body. 
And what he told me was, yes, now that we're engaged, we, of course we can get married, but we're not setting the date until you weigh 100 kilos. And that was a real turning point. And that, that was right towards the end because we got engaged probably four or five months before we split up. And that I just went, oh no, oh no. And that I think I had been working towards through this four and a half year relationship where I had been unhappy for so much of the time about, and especially about my body and felt very, you know, it was, it was abusive. That was the moment where I was like, I am absolutely not doing this anymore. And so about three days later, that was it. Um, we were done. After the surgery and breakup of her engagement, what a time, April found a body confidence that she hadn't felt before. We'll say I was definitely in my slut era <laughs> after that. For me, it wasn't about my body so much as the fact that I felt like people would think I was attractive. Yeah. And I and I thought that they would be willing to show people in public that they thought I was attractive because that's a big part of it too, is that you will sometimes find people who are fat will have relationships, sexual relationships and other in, like intimate relationships, but they will be kept a secret. So mm-hmm. it'll be that shame of the other person and that you internalise that shame that you think it's okay for that person to act like they don't know you on the street but then knock on your door at 1 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And that's like that's that's a very common, like has happened to me, I think large because I don't date um, cis men, but um, (laughs) shut up. It's not just women who feel the shame around their own fat bodies. It's also felt by the men who are attracted to or might want to date women who are fat. It's happened to friends like men who are attracted to fat women are also shamed. They can see that it's wrong to be attracted to a fat woman because of what society says, and they know their friends will make fun of them. They know they will feel less confident and less good in society because they're dating a fat woman because that's how much society hates fat women. It's like, it's, yeah, it's wild. And getting into a relationship with someone else who's fat is the only acceptable pairing because who else could possibly be Mm. into that? If you would have told me when I was, you know, 12 that I would be treated worse because I was fat than being gay because I was closeted, I was terrified, I was in regional Queensland... I would have been like, that can't be right. (laughs) But gay, like queer representation and the progressiveness of how we talk about queerness and neurodiversity and all these other things, like has made some progression and in pop culture. But fat is still like, you can still make fat jokes and it's no one cares. After Beck's first relationship of 10 years ended, her confidence was even lower than at the start. Because I'd gotten into that relationship when I was still closeted, I hadn't done any of the, like, dating normally or trying to be out in the world to see what it was like. I still just had this feeling that I had, like, tricked this person into it and I probably, like, who knows if anyone ever want to have sex with me again. Those first times she had sex after the breakup were really important for Beck as the experiences started to pull her out of that body-hating abyss. They were really excited about my body in a like way that I could tell was genuine and that, I think, put me on a path of, oh, I, that's what I should be looking for is people who genuinely are into my body and aren't bringing any weirdness with it and just being like there in the moment I Mm. guess and that that is really affirming as well and also having sex with people who are fat has been really helpful to me like other fat women who are 
confident and in control of their bodies and sexy. And having sex with people like that has made me appreciate my own body more. Some people of my friends that I've spoken to, they talk about if they're bisexual, they talk about sometimes having sex with men, you're seeing yourself through their gaze and they're bringing all this stuff with them. Whereas when they have sex with other women, it's like you think about your own body in terms of the kindness that you feel to their body, if that makes sense. So it's just, a, yeah, a really different experience, mm. I think. What would both of you say to a fat woman who's listening to this right now, who's in a really bad place with her body, um, like someone who's feeling unsexual, unfuckable, um, not dating? What, what would be some thoughts you'd like to share with her? Be a lesbian. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but kind of not. <laughs> if it's possible. No, just kidding. Well, I feel like personally for me, I think one of the things that helped me was literally following hot fat women on Instagram, like you, like Ali Garrett, like all of these people that are not only hot, but like sexually confident and lots of people find them hot. And then also getting in touch with your own body. Like it sounds so hack, but if you are feeling like this, you probably hate your body. You probably are not feeling sexy about it. And like, that's the really important thing as well is like, try to get in touch with yourself and what you like and what you find horny. Like I'm doing the raise the roof gesture here because I'm like, hi, I've never thought I was hotter than when I started masturbating. Yeah. Which was only 12 years ago, everyone. And <laughs> that made me 26 six years old so mm. because for the first 26 years I was like oh don't even I don't want to have sex with you yeah wow, exactly okay. the idea of masturbating being a real tool to self-discovery because then when you're having sex with someone else you know you're mm. already like I know where to go you know it's like when you go yeah. somewhere for the first time and you're like I know where I am I'm familiar <laughs> with this place I can lead other people here towards my <laughs> orgasm and kind of ironically being queer the part of herself she was keeping secret as a teen is a big factor in Beck starting to appreciate her body I got to be out in the queer community in Sydney when I moved here and that has turned out to be really affirming for me and very helpful because I've been lucky enough to have pretty much everyone I've um, slept with has helped me feel more confident about my body rather than less confident, which I think is a lucky experience. In this podcast throughout the seasons, we've talked about various ways in which we need to sort of embody our bodies in during sex to kind of enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You need to be present and not externalising, like not looking back at yourself and not performing and all of, feel safe, all of those things. How do you get there? Being able to get into a position where I trust the person that I'm having sex with and I trust that they're looking at me in a way that desires me and is happy to be there, like that's, I can try to relax and just be present in the moment and be like sexy. Like you have to try to be sexy when you're having sex. And I just try to be in the moment, like in the physical moment with them. And if there's any weirdness or... It just has to come from trying to be in the moment and believing that that person wants to be there, and usually they do. I find also, like, focusing 100% on them, like, Mm. so trying to actually completely pull your focus away from what you are doing. Mm. If you focus 100% on the person you're having sex with and then hopefully they're doing the same, it works out great. Mm. But also being able to think about the fact that 
sex is this act between two people in, you know, in this particular case, between two people who hopefully are both there because they want to give each other pleasure and enjoy pleasure. And so trying to focus more on sensations rather than thoughts and on the other person more than myself. Okay, the bit you've all been waiting for, yes. Beck and April are in great relationships now with respectful, kind and sexy partners who adore their minds and their bodies. I think that one of the main reasons that that relationship is so different is because I knew how badly I had been treated in the past that I was absolutely not going to tolerate that. He embodies what it is to be both an ally because yeah. he's a cis man and so, of course, he needs to, you know, help us dismantle the patriarchy but also to be a person who embodies the beliefs that I share. Beck, how does being fat come into your relationship now? I feel like, because I'm 40... The anti-fatness that I've experienced, it's made me a less confident person and I feel like I have to work a lot harder than other people in my position who are, like, affirmed for being attractive, even though I have this amazing partner who never makes me feel anything but only good about my fatness, but it's still, even in that situation, I still have to work really hard to get there to, like, believe her and to have this confidence in the rest of my life as well. Especially when you go into a room, for me, you go into a room and everybody else is not fat. So being hot and just standing still versus having to literally be the funniest and also the most intelligent and also hot and also sexual and also overtly kind of flirting Mm -hmm. to get to the same place where someone just standing still who's slim can be. April, how can good sex be restorative? I think that good sex can kind of follow you through the day or through the night. And I think that that, what that does is you take that into every interaction that you have. And so I think whether you're having that sex with a partner or whether you're, you know, kind of exploring sex by yourself, that feeling of being like, I feel satisfied, I feel good about myself, I've had pleasure today, I deserve this, I think will really set the tone. So for me, I think good sex can restore that kind of almost the faith in humanity that you may have lost, (laughs) frankly. It depends how good it is. Um, And I think also it can be restorative of um, in a relationship to kind of really lift you back up if you've been feeling like things are a bit boring or, you know, times have just been a little bit mundane because that's what life in a partnership can sometimes be. And so I think that it can be restorative in those ways in relationships and also restorative for yourself and for for your mood. I also think because of the way my insecurities present, I feel like it always makes me feel like, especially in my relationships, I'm like, okay, I've been filled back up. I feel confident. I feel connected. I feel secure. And I think that plays an important role in me just feeling like safe. I keep saying that word, but you know, I'm like, it just, I feel like I'm sort of filling up all the stuff that was taken from me. So I feel like every time I have good sex in my relationship, I'm like, it's reaffirmed again that I'm like good and hot and can be happy in this relationship. Sex, my friends, is cheaper than therapy. And if you can feel safe with another person and share that sexual experience with them regularly, well, you may not be nailing all of life, but you're certainly nailing that part of life while getting nailed. For Beck and April, good sex has helped them get over lifetimes of messaging about the value of a fat body. If you're unpartnered, you can still have wonderful sex. It's called having a good old-fashioned wank. Just believe that honestly, you are hot because hotness is 
in the eye of the beholder <laughs> and there is always going to be someone who goes... Yeah. That person is hot. And you don't always know who it is, especially yeah. if you're Beck, because <laughs> you're like, I don't even know until they say, I am flirting with you. <laughs> so I think just trust that there is someone, many people most well, likely out yeah. there, who are into you and you don't even know it. But more importantly, you need to be into you. Just because uh, society is saying one thing, like there's still plenty of people that you will find in your life that will give you a lot of good sex and satisfying sex for the rest of your life. It doesn't need to be everyone. You don't need to listen to everyone and what everyone else is saying about your body. Like, you just have to know your body. I think just also be picky. Like, just because you're fat doesn't mean that you have to be having sex with a bunch of random people to feel validated by that. Get to know yourself and then have standards and find people who appreciate you for that. It's easier said than done, but it can be done. Look, it's... I have sex. <laughs> so <laughs> The proof is in the pudding. The proof's in the pudding. <laughs> this pudding, I mean podcast, was produced on the lands of the Gundungurra and Gadigal peoples. Ladies, We Need to Talk is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Hannah Achelis. Supervising producer is Alex Lolback, and our executive producer is Kyla Slavin. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. Ladies, there's someone you know. It might be a friend from school or uni, a mum at the school gate, a colleague at work. That person needs Ladies We Need to Talk in her life. Make sure you grab their phone, open up their favourite podcast app and show them how to follow Ladies. Like, subscribe, the whole lot. They will thank you for it. 